Welcome to Merkaba Chakras, where we talk Buddhism in the fifth dimension. A Buddha is someone who's awake within the matrix and co-creating with divinity as a soul having a human experience. Each enlightened episode is dedicated to help you level up the energy field of your Merkaba. You can manifest the parallel reality that fits the best version of you. This podcast is for entertainment purposes and does not necessarily reflect the views of the host or replace any medical or legal advice. Now, let's welcome your host, author Von Galt, and her guest. Welcome to another podcast cast episode of Merkaba Chakras. I'm your host, Vaughn Galt. And today we talk about Hebrew energy healing and the living letters using the resonance in music with author and professor Del Hungerford. So with that, Del, welcome to Merkaba Chakras. Well, thank you for having me. It's a good time. <laughs> yes, I I love this concept. And, and not necessarily a concept, it's a, it's a practical application in a lot of traditions, and we're going to get into that, of um, resonance and tuning and music and frequencies and how it affects our physical bodies and our energy fields. So um, before we dig into your work, um, can you tell us how you even got into Hebrew energy healing through music? Uh, Well, I'm a musician (laughs) and I was with a group and they're like, you know what? If they say that the Hebrew letters are living letters. So if they have living, if they're living letters, that means they have a frequency, which means they have a musical pitch. And so I went down that rabbit trail and it took me about eight years to figure out what they were. Um, because, you know, everything is based on patterns and you start looking for the patterns. And I basically knew nothing about it. So when I began the journey, I had to learn a lot about the Hebrew culture, the Hebrew language itself, and then start looking for the patterns. And I think I figured it out. 2018 is when I finally figured out what the musical frequencies of the Hebrew letters were. Then another Two friends of mine, Alice Briggs, no, it was Leia, because Alice was part of another book, Leia Lasesna and uh, Seneca Sherburn, and the three of us together decided to put together this book, Healing in the Hebrew Months. And before I did that, I started doing a song of the month based on the particular Hebrew letter for that month and the musical frequency for that month. And that's where the book Healing in the Hebrew Months came out of, because I know that question's coming later, but it ties in to yeah. how I figured this out. <laughs> okay, so the figure, like, so the figuring out aspect of of understanding the Hebrew living letters and um, the effects on the human body, uh, they don't already have that in other publications, or is, is it taught in Hebrew um, study or 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 anything at all? Is it just kind of like a secret school, a secret discipline that only maybe certain people are privy to in in um, in monastic studies? I mean, 
Why is it not available? Why did you uh, have to do so much digging? Those are good questions. Well, number one, you have to understand a lot about music theory in order to figure it out. You know, and people have used the cantillations, which is if you've ever watched a, a rabbi or someone who's going through the bar or bar mitzvah, and they take a pointer and they they read the Torah, then they will read it in a sing-song fashion. And they call that cantillation. And they have certain ups and downs for certain phrases. And a lot of people were basing it on that. But there didn't seem to be a pattern. See, the one thing, one of the things I'm discovering is there's always going to be a pattern to something. So I had to find what is the pattern. And I knew that the first nine letters of the Hebrew alphabet fit with the musical harmonic series early on. Mm-hmm. But the remainder of them didn't seem like they did. But I also had an expectation that each musical letter, I mean, each Hebrew letter was going to have a specific frequency that it's only going to have one frequency and see when you have an expectation that it's going to look like something then you don't see anything outside that box and even i had it literally sitting in front of me for two years before i figured it out once i stepped out of the expectation of what i thought it was supposed to look like all of a sudden there it was so i think that's why a lot of people never really figured it out because we only been able to figure out specific musical frequencies since the industrial revolution which was in the mid 1800s so the hebrew people might have sung it not even realizing they'd done it just like the ancients would do the ohms and all these other things right they would do it based on cymatics because they could see a certain shape and they know that when they would get a specific shape that they'd hit the pitch so that was their way of doing it um but for us now we can measure things in hertz mm-hmm. and that helps us determine but if you don't understand music theory then it's going to be difficult to figure it out right can you explain for the, in layman's terms a short understanding of music theory in, in relation to understanding the the uh resonance in music in in um literature because okay. because i I, I like I, I I study and read Latin, for example. Not like I ever had any use for it, but um <laughs> Then you can read my master's diploma for me. I, I probably can. I probably Latin. can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I can probably kinda underline the um the the um the vowels. But anyways, in Latin, in short, the in Latin, the Iliad, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, the book, the Iliad, if you read it in Latin, you can basically um, highlight where all of the um, vowels are, and that's where the music hits. And so when they read the Iliad in Latin, it, it hits at certain points, and it goes up and down, whatever. And it basically, like you don't have to understand Latin, but there is a song and a pattern to the story of the Iliad. And it's slow, and then it climaxes, and it goes down, and it kind of follows the storyline of what's going on in the story. So um, it's beautiful in that the music and the and and the symphony of the book, the Iliad, matches the storyline of what's going on in um, the book, the Iliad. Um, but it only happens in Latin. You can't transcribe that into other languages. It's only in Latin. And so I wonder if there's a parallel between um, the frequencies and phonetics of the Latin language, as you see also in the Hebrew living, living letters. I mean, is there like some kind of correlation? Or is there like a similar philosophy that is being 
transcribed between linguistics? Well, I think that's part of the cancellation process of they sing song when they read the Torah. But I realized that that didn't really have a whole lot to do with the actual musical frequencies of each letter. But what I found out is that each letter is really based on a key. So when you're looking at music mm. theory, it's understanding the key of C, the key of F, the key of G. How do you build the C major chord? How do you build the C minor chord? How, you know, this is how you read music. You know, these are the lines and the spaces on the staff. Here is a chord progression. You know, your standard chord progression is based on this. You know, so it's understanding the nitty gritty pieces of music so that when you're reading sheet music, you understand what you're reading. You're taking the little black dots and interpreting those. Now there's a lot of musicians who play music, but they don't read music. And so that's all through intuition. Mm. And when you're reading music, it's actually the only thing that you do in life where your brain is firing the left and right brain are firing simultaneously while you're playing. Mm. If you're reading sheet music and playing a musical instrument, because you've got the creative side working and you've got the intellectual side working simultaneously, which is why they say that people who participate in music in school tend to do better in most subjects because they learn how to make both sides of their brain work together. So when I'm talking about music theory, it's understanding the inner workings of how music itself works, including musical frequencies, um, the harmonic series. I mean, harmonic series is part of nature. I mean, mm -hmm. your voice sounds different than my voice because the harmonics in your voice, like the octaves and the thirds and the seconds and the fifths that are all above the fundamental or the bass note are going to resonate differently for your voice than they are for mine, which is why you can go into some buildings and they'll have a voice activation system that will let you in because there's really no two voices that have the same sound in them. And that's because the harmonics are different. That's how you can tell the difference between a piano and a clarinet, which clarinet is my instrument, by the way. And you can tell the sound of everything is because all of the different notes that are in the one note are that we call it a voice print. Yeah. Everyone has their individual voice print. Right. Right. Um, Oh, I, I love this sub this subject is it is in my um my Buddhism books uh, in terms of uh everyone having a unique mandala that is imprinted in their voice. And um the only difference between one person or another person's mandala um is the frequency in which radiates from within their voice or from within their consciousness. Now this gets into something a little bit metaphysical in concept because um, I like to relay a little bit of Buddhism because it's a Buddhism podcast, but in Buddhism and also in Hinduism, ancient Hinduism, there is the concept of um, frequencies as a, um, as an, as like a voice activator into different portal points, different gateways, different temples. And we have temples, um, especially in India, ancient temples that no one can get into that, the only way, according to folklore, to get into it is to have a certain resonance in your voice. And no one has been able to have that resonance to open that doorway. But it opens supposedly under a certain frequency that certain people's voices will have. So does that have to do, um, 
does that have to do with uh, the, the the frequency of the, the 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 consciousness level of the person, or what does it have to do? You have any kind of insight into that? Well, I think. I mean, I, you're going to find that concept in every religion because it's in mm-hmm. Christianity as well. But it's it's what I call the mystical part of Christianity. Um, and, you know, and what the Bible says, whether it's the Jewish version, Hebrew version or the Christian version, because they're both based on the same thing. Um, in that one, you are pairing your consciousness with the consciousness of a higher power, which mm-hmm. we call creator. And so you've got your consciousness with his consciousness, and that's quantum entangled. So when you've got that quantum entanglement, you know you you know that uh, what did Einstein call it? Spooky action at a distance, where this one starts, and all of a sudden this one far away resonates, and they entrain, which they come mm-hmm. into agreement with. Um, so that's what that is. Mm. Um, so when you begin resonating with that that higher power thing that's when I think that those portals open. And, Mm. you know, I've seen that in my own life. So that that's the only way I can say that. But I do see it in several. So what you're talking about, I'm not familiar with Hinduism or Buddhism, but it seems very similar because, you know, I say this, who knows where Jesus went when he was on earth? (laughs) He just disappeared and, you know, you never knew where he went. (laughs) So um, name, who knows? So let me let me ask you this um, with uh, so, so you say you've had your own experience with that, with with voice activating different experiences or different. I mean, what was your experience? Uh, we'd be here for about a week if I started going. Can you give me the short. Can you give me the short? Can you give me the short? Because people learn a lot from from the different teachers on the on the show. Well, I have some of them in the book Kingdom Shift because you did mention that and that. So, for example, that came from an experience Mm. where I was taken into a library in heaven and all this paperwork was sitting on the desk in front of me. And I saw all these words across the top and I'm like, huh? (laughs) And I'm, and I'm sitting at the table with creator. I mean, that's the name I'll use because I think most everybody can resonate with that. And was getting downloads of stuff to go look up. And sure enough, I go look it up. And it was like a month long conversation. You know, I'd go to school, do my work during the day, and then I come home at night, and I would immediately go back to that place. But it doesn't mean I wasn't thinking about it when I was at school. Um, and I put that book together in a month, just yeah. bam, bam, bam. And so to me, though, that's the kind of experience where you know you were in that place where mm-hmm. you were resonating with that con- you know creative consciousness where you're getting downloads of stuff that open up to things that we can participate in and understand how creation itself works and you know i believe that we have left the age of pisces and have now entered the age of aquarius you know that mm. song from the 60s the dawning yeah. of the age of aquarius yeah understand what that meant until maybe a couple of years ago mm, okay we're going to get more and in, more into that and just to kind of close off this concept of music notes um mm. have you ever tried um semantics because uh, music notes have been um shown to have an image its own unique mandala in um semantics and harmonics research 
So like the, the website Sound Made Visible, which everybody can go to soundmadevisible.com and they can send their a copy of their voice and it will show what their mandala, mandala looks like. Uh, it's it's just a, a 2D version of a 3D bubble, which is what we are as our energy field. Um, but music notes have their own mandalas as well, their own, you know. Have you seen voice. this? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So do they have the Hebrew living letters in that? Well, if you look at it, if you know what the musical frequencies are of the Hebrew letters, which I have, you can get that in the book, Healing in the Hebrew Months. Oh, there okay, yeah, yeah, that, now I can see, yeah. <laughs> um, I have the chart in there, but at the same point, you know, so for example, I'm going to play a note on here. Hopefully you can see this mm-hmm. just because I have, let me just pick a note. Can you see that? Mm-hmm. That's cymatics. It's the bubble you're talking about. Yep. But see, before we had this technology, they would use what was called a clodney plate. Mm. And they would put it up, um, you know, sand on this plate and they'd rub a violin bow on it mm-hmm. would create shapes. And they, that's how they used to tune gongs. Way yeah. back, you know, two, th- 3,000 years ago, what they would do is, is to figure out the, whether they had the right resonance, they would put sand on the gong and excite it. And when it made the right shape, using the sand that they put on it, they knew the gong was done. And uh, so cymatics has been around forever. And as I uh-huh. said earlier, I believe that that's how they did the ohms and they knew they hit the right pitch because they could put a piece of sand, you know, stretch out an, a membrane over something and then put sand on it. And then they would sing the note until the shape got correct. Exactly. So I think did it. You're correct. You're correct. That's exactly how it is. And um, Mr. Reed, who who um, owns the, the cymoscope and created the cymoscope, right. he, he, he worked off the same concepts to make it visible for everybody else. So now we can all see what we look like. Okay, so my next question for you is, you know, many of my audience have read my book, Buddhist Mandalas, which are one of my many Buddhism books, which explain that people are energy and it is the consciousness level of their aura field that radiates at different frequencies. Now, it is the frequencies that determine our matching reality and the overall health of the avatars, which our souls engage with physically or with physicality through. So in Buddhism, the use of music, chants, and resonance to tune our Merkabas into healthy states is very common, but this truth is also in Judaism and many others. But explain to people, in short, what is the Hebrew energy healing? Because like, it's easy to get lost in all these different areas of the concept, but in short, what is it for people? Well, I think that everything with the Hebrew tradition is based on starting with self first. So if you are, you know, I look at it, we have thoughts. So you have these little, you know, you have a thought river that goes across and you can pick and choose which thoughts you're going to pull out of the river. And then once you become, you, you pick those thoughts out, you entertain the thoughts. As you entertain them, you form an intent and that tent intent then makes an action. So those are the, the three ingredients that I call that that really determine how we work things out so you've been around people you walk up and you're like dude there's something all up. i'm gonna stay as far away from that person as possible can there's all kinds of yuckiness on them that's because what's within them mm-hmm. is based on their negative thoughts intents and their actions but 
the Hebrew perception is it starts from the heart first. So when we change our heart, when we change from negativity to positivity, when we change from anger to love and hate to also love or, you know, what when you whatever the negative stuff that's in us, if we override that with a stronger frequency, um, then that becomes what's in our heart. So it, it radiates from your heart first. Then it, then it starts going into your soul, you know, because we our soul tends to do goofy things. Um, then as we fill up our energy field within us, then we can spread that into our aura beyond us. So and I, that seems to be the tradition of the Hebrew culture is everything starts within yourself first. So a lot of people will say, okay, I want to step into love or whatever it is, you know, they focus on something and that might be for that time. But if it doesn't become a part of you 24 seven, it's not really doing what it should. Mm -hmm. I want this to become a part of me 24 seven. I mean, and I know it works because in 2000, for 19 years, I had something that was very similar to chronic fatigue. And that was as a result of having lived in an abusive marriage, left the marriage, and then I just had all this negative emotional stuff. And I do believe that all, many sicknesses and things that we carry have emotional roots. So that when you start dealing with those negative emotional roots, overriding them with the opposite thing, then you get that into your heart, not just a, a five minute thing here, a 10 minute thing there, half hour thing, when it becomes a part of you then that is what the energy that is supposed to work through the living letters because the living letters are living all of the time not mm -hmm. 10 minutes here 15 minutes there they have to become a part of us does that make sense it does, it does make sense so it's so the hebrew energy healing uh you know via the living the living letters is basically a way of life yes okay and, and the way it's a heart-centered life Yes. Okay. And I, you know, I relate it to it, to music. You know, I'm a classical musician by trade. I have a doctoral degree in music and I teach, I'm a college professor. So mm -hmm. I joke with my students that I have spent more years in a practice room than they have been alive. And of course they usually laugh at me when I say that, but you know, how many, how often do I sit there and play the same stupid scale over and over and over and over to the point where it just becomes such a second nature to me that I look at a piece of sheet music and I'm like, oh, that's just an F sharp major scale. I'm done. I don't have to look mm -hmm. at every note because it's a part of me. So right. when you learn to engage the Hebrew living letters, you are really learning to make them part of your life so that you are living what is in them 24 seven. Right, right. And does each is each Hebrew living letter does, I know you say they have their own musical note, but do they have their own philosophy as well or their own energy? Like this one is about, I don't know, forgiveness and this one is about acceptance and, you know, on and on and on. Is it like that? Like, Well, they more tell the story of the gospel, just okay. kind of like the original Maseroth did, you know, what we now we have called the Zodiac signs, but we didn't have that version of it until the 1950s. Before that, they represented the story of creation. And that's how the Hebrew culture looks at it as the 12 constellations are telling the story of creation. Mm -hmm. And we're part of that creative process. 
and we are co-creators. So each Hebrew letter has what I call a fundamental frequency, which is kind of like a drone. And then mm -hmm. there's all these other notes that you can sing or play. It's just like, if I'm gonna go up to the piano and I'm gonna play in the key of C, yes, I'm in the key of C, but I have all these other notes available to me that C is my rock position, it's my fundamental note, it's my home note. So I think that each Hebrew letter has a home note, but there's all these other notes that go within, in with it, but then you get back to the home note. Okay. And so in terms of a couple of quick techniques that people can learn from the book, Healing in the Hebrew Months, like mm -hmm. if they were, uh, let's, let's put it into a case of an application. Let's say they were having issues with, I don't know, fatigue, fatigue, okay, in their life. Um, and they wanted to find, uh, since the, the, the living letters are a way of life, they wanted to find a new way of life to address the constant fatigue. Which letter typically would call out to address that specific issue? Or is I it a set of letters or? Okay, my question is, is why are you dealing with the fatigue? So you, you, you're not, you're not, see what that is, is that's looking mm -hmm. at the symptom. Mm -hmm. What is the cause of that fatigue? Mm -hmm. Which is like I said, I had chronic fatigue. I don't know if that's what it was, but because, you know, me and doctors, we don't tend to agree on things. Because <laughs> <laughs> oh, every time I go, they say something stupid and I turn around and walk out the door. I'm like, I spent $200 on them telling me nothing. That was a well, waste that's why I get a second and third opinion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Too bad. Never mind. I'll keep my mouth shut. Um, <laughs> Anyways, my, my insurance covers it all. So I get second, third. It's no different. They cover it all. So, so for me, what I was it last year? This is the year 5782 in the Hebrew year. 5781. Mm -hmm. I did a whole year of going through the, the Hebrew alphabet where we start with leaving our personal Egypt. Mm. You know, so you know how the Hebrews, they walked out of Egypt, they had to leave everything behind that didn't make sense to them. So you're going to go through each month and you're going to be dealing with issues in your life that have mm. caused that have been caused by various traumas. So mm. if you're dealing with fatigue, my first question is, what's the trauma behind the fatigue? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it might and you might have to, you and then that's where I'd say, OK, which letter would be most helpful for me? And it might be different for you than it is for me. Because mm -hmm. I think we want a specific answer on yeah. how to do it. But you're different than me. You have different issues than I do. So for you, it might be the letter Vav. Someone else, it might be the letter Noon. It all depends on your individual situation. And the thing I, you know, have did in the book is I've got several exercises and so whatever it is that resonates with you at that moment, that's what you do. But any symptom that you've got in your body, find out what the root is. Right, right. And, and oftentimes the root cause, um, this is this is sounding a lot like Buddhism, uh, to be honest, um, because, oh, yeah, and, and, because it's all based off of your consciousness and your consciousness is working off different things. So like, for, for example, a lot of people, when they start getting to advanced Buddhism and they start to try to understand that it is their consciousness that has different frequencies and it's their consciousness that changes physical reality and what they mm -hmm. what it what it is that they experience next um then they start going what well, this just feels like psychology and yeah yeah that's that's who do you think is creating the universe 
in which you're <laughs> existing in. Because you are an aspect, you are you are an aspect of God having a ex- direct experience from within one of its own creations. Mm-hmm. So you have the ability to create, but the ability to create is reflective on what the user wants to create, and that's reflective on your perceptions, your intentions, your actions, everything that you were talking about, but there's so many different ways in which we that we continue to talk about the same thing but for some people they can they can connect with the buddhism some people they can connect it with the vedic um hinduism some people like my best friend she's she's um jewish so she connects with with that as um as as her tradition and it, and it works with her but some people they were born into the hebrew traditions it, they don't connect with it but they move on to something else it doesn't mm-hmm. really matter it's all the same thing for the most part we get to the same place and we get to an understanding that it is our understanding of reality and ourselves that create the greater outer world so um so let me ask you this question what if somebody is deaf okay <laughs> so if they're if they're deaf, so if they can't hear the music, they can't hear the tones. Do certain Hebrew living letters call out to them for whatever it is that they're trying to address to raise their frequency? You know, I'm not sure I have the answer to that question, but people who are deaf can feel the music. Um, and are you familiar with a percussionist named Evelyn Glennie? She's from England, and she's a completely deaf percussionist. And when she performs, she performs barefooted. And she knows what the musical pitch is based on where her where in her body it resonates. And she does a whole, I think it's she did a TED talk where mm-hmm. she went into that. And when I was doing all my research about musical frequencies and the notes and everything like that, I've you know, I've known who she is for, for a long time because I'm a classical musician and so is she. Um and so even if someone is deaf, they're just going to hear music differently. They're going to hear it in their body, which mm-hmm. you and I do too. But our ears work better than our in, our outside ears work better than our inside ears. And she just says that she uses her inside ears to feel music. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you've ever watched her play, she's one of the most musical percussionists I have ever seen. And she knows exactly what's going on in the orchestra. She can hear every instrument in the orchestra, but she hears it through her body, not her Mm -hmm. ears. So it's just a matter of learning to hear it differently than you and I hear it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's this exercise where you blindfold yourself and you you stand on stage and then you play the music, whatever music um, that you're listening to. And you can feel the emotion of each song mm-hmm. just by just by tuning into the I don't know the energy or the frequency that that your body feels and each song has its own resonance as well so is that, is that that's like the same thing as how she does it it is but but she actually can feel the specific musical frequencies in her body so she knows what the pitches are based on where it starts you know wiggling resonating in her body mm-hmm. Now she can also feel the rhythm because you can feel those pulses. Mm-hmm. Um, and because she reads music really well, she can, you know, put that what she's seeing on the little black dots with what she's feeling from the orchestra. So every time that you're listening to music, you are going to feel it in your body as well as your ears. But here's the thing I have to say, mm-hmm. you can listen to the same 
to the same song done exactly the same way with five different artists, some you're going to like and some you're not. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason is the intent behind the performer while they are performing the song. We forget the intent of the musician is just as important as the actual notes and the things that are coming out, Mm -hmm. which is why what I do is I pair the musical frequency with the intent to create the energy that's needed to do what you what we are desiring or what needs to be done. Okay. So let, let me ask you about the definition of intent. Okay. Because they have this exercise in art whereby you can have five, like you say, five different artists paint the same picture. And then you can look at five different versions of the same picture, but you can tell the energy. This one's a little bit more dark and dreary. This one's really, really light. This one's really, really happy. This one's, you know, whatever you can tell that, each drawing of the same image has a different energy and it's based off the energy of the artist and whatever they're emitting out into the canvas. So it's, so it's like the concept of, um, of the energy of the artist gets imprinted onto whatever it is that they create and what they create has, has a similar resonance that carries forward. And that's why some people connect with certain artists work versus others that they don't really connect with this as much is it the same thing in music as well as as it is in art exactly because remember how i was talking earlier what's in your heart is going to come out in your energy field and that's going to go into whatever you create Mm. so that your intent is what's coming out of your heart so if you're always angry at somebody that intent is going to go into every i mean that those feelings, which are basically embodied in intent, are going to come out. I mean, you can feel that on people. That's what, like I said, mm-hmm. when you walk up to somebody and you feel, Ugh, I want to stay away from that person. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. You know, and it's, it is interesting because, you know, I teach private lessons and every half hour, a different student comes into my mm-hmm. office to tell before they even walk in the door what's going on with them that day. Mm-hmm. Now, what I will do is if I can tell that they're in kind of not a great mood, I will just sit there and I'm like, I just resonate pure love. And I'll say, I even send a love bomb over to them. Let's send a whole <laughs> Now let's send a peace bomb. So I basically what I'm doing is I'm expanding my energy field over that student to help calm whatever that frustration might be for the day. Mm-hmm. So... I don't think that we tend to realize because it's in our subconscious what our intent is, but our intent is formed by what we're thinking and what we're acting out, you know, because you can't have an intent without a thought coming through there first. Right. Right. Your thoughts. If you sit there and you dwell on something long enough, it's going to manifest in your, in your body somehow, whether it's positive Mm -hmm. or negative. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so going in even further into the concept of intent, because this is really important for conscious creators of reality who are of high frequency, um, you know, because they're trying to create higher and higher experiences to experience themselves within the reality. It, so intent is like, it's like an emotion. I mean, yeah, there's the concept of intention, like I'm going to have the intention of finishing my homework, Okay. But you're talking about intention beyond just the concept of finishing an action. You're talking about intention in terms of conveying the emotion, like my intent on 
uh, finishing this marathon is to be super happy when I win and just be in like ultimate love and enjoyment of that experience of winning uh, and completing that goal. Um, so it's a little bit different understanding of intent. It's like, what is the emotion? What is the end emotion that you're trying to to um, bask in? from doing this or from working on this is is that is that kind of like how trying to clarify for people who's going well I do intentions all the time I'm always saying mantras and this intention and that intention but you're talking about it in like a a, an emotional scale well because there are several dimensions of that you know I mean okay if you take the Catholics for example they have their little prayer beads and they they do and I don't even remember the rosary they quote the rosary and they're saying Mm -hmm. the same thing over and over and over yeah, they're saying something, but they're not owning it. You know, um, I have to say the best quote that I ever had is um, one of the, the ba- best things that somebody said to me when I, I did my master's at Yale. And I don't know if you're familiar with Benny Goodman, but he he is a guy from the jazz age and he would come to school and he would work with us. And I ended up going to his house and playing my master's recital for him there and was playing for him and he goes, you have to play the music like you own it. Mm-hmm. So if you take that over to intention, you know, if, if a person is doing their rosary beads and just doing it as an action, but not really owning what they're saying, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of like an affirmation or your mantras or all these other things. People do that stuff all the time, but does it change them? If mm-hmm. it's not meant to change you from the inside out, then I'm not sure that it's really helpful because, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like, you know, I know lots of people who will do the rosary all of the time, mm-hmm. but does it change them from the inside out? If it doesn't, they're missing a dimension of that intent. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It has the intention has to be felt everyone. It has to be felt like when you say, for example, I just want to kind of bring this home for people to understand this dimension of intent um, and, and understand the living letters uh, and how they're living. So, for example, if somebody says, oh, I love you. Okay, great. I love you. I love the dog. I love the cat. I love the house. I love, you know, I love whatever. But if they are really in love with somebody, like like their, their, their spouse or their children, they're like, I love you. They're they it they, it's felt in the heart and the other person feels it in the heart as well it's not a superficial i love you it's a real i love you it's a genuine i love you and there's a difference and it's felt in the heart so maybe well, see, your thoughts your intents and your actions three things are working in unison mm-hmm. when so when you've got that heartfelt i love you it's not just a thought it's not just a word it's all three of them working together in unison resonating with the frequency of whatever it is. So if I love you, so they are all three resonating with, with love. Mm -hmm. But see, if we don't carry love in ourselves, there's no way we can release it to anyone else. And I always say, I'm not going to show you anything or do anything that I'm not doing myself. If I can't love you the way that creator loves me, then, then I can't demonstrate that love to you. Because I'm not holding it myself. Right. And, and that is the whole point of the Hebrew culture is, is to make it many dimensions thick. It's not just, 
well, here's a, a mantra, you say the mantra. If it doesn't change you from the inside out, then there's several dimensions that need to be added to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To fulfill that becoming part of you. And Love I think it. that's how the Hebrew living letters work. Wonderful. Um, I like that people really we rewind that section that's really going to help you with with working on your manifestations and just really getting a, a really juicy result out of that. So, you know, in Buddhism, the master teacher Buddha and Bodhisattva Kuan Yin left a famous energy healing chant of Om Mani Padmi Hum, which when you sing it, it's Om Mani Padmi Hum. It translates to 289.13 hertz, 139.86 hertz, 293.13 hertz, 519.77 hertz, 623.3 hertz, 856.1 hertz, 122.76 hertz, 122.1 hertz, 487.9 hertz, and 487.6 hertz. Overall, it's just a combined frequency that helps you live in harmonics with source and live your best version. So um, these healing frequencies can also be found in the ancient Hindu Shiva chant, Om Namah Sivaya, which is, when you sing it out is Om Namah So th- th- these these are once you get understand this, you, you can hear these in other cultures as well. So what are the Hertz healing frequencies in the Hebrew healing? I know you were talking about it a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, I'm a little confused because you were singing the same note. So. Wait. How did you get those other hertz out of one that one note? So the Om Manipat, the, the Kuan Yin chant is very similar to the Hindu Shiva chant. Okay. That's why they so have similar stuff. Hertz, say those hertz again, 180 something. Uh, so there's, I'm, I'm not, there's 289, 139, I'm not going to go with the points because if you're going to go to the point, they go to point something, point something. Uh, I'm just going to do the main ones. 856, 122, 487, and 480. Yeah, 487. Um, Those are all somewhere around different octaves of the B. Mm -hmm. Which is that that's in the 432 concert pitch. Okay, yeah, because the Hebrew healing, healing letters, uh, so two of the hertz is, is, yeah, f- the Hebrew healing um, living letters, two of the hertz is, is 432 and 444. So the Shiva mm-hmm. chant, chant and Kuan Yin's um, Bodhisattva chant, you're, you're saying all those combined make 432 as well. So everybody's well, okay. at 432 okay, or so- somewhere around there. The best way to describe it, okay, 444 is a specific concert pitch. It's it's like if I go into a Microsoft Word document and I pick the font Calibri, mm-hmm. that is, that is uh, I would call that my temperament, my musical temperament. Then I change every note on my musical scale to match whatever temperament I chose. Mm-hmm. So 
So we might also have the concert pitch of Calibri versus the concert pitch of, oh, I don't know, Wingdings or something like that, which is another font. <laughs> they're, diff they're, they're similar because 432 and 444 are both A's. One yeah. of them is just a lower pitch than the other. And so if you take A444 above middle C, you have to adjust all of the other notes in the scale so that they sound good with that particular A. Now, A432 is quite a bit lower and is closer to all of the frequencies within the earth, sacred numbers and all of those things. You would have to retune all of your notes on your instrument so that they sound good with 432. So the numbers that you were giving me were different quickly as I could look them up, are closer to the notes in the 430 concert pitch than they are in the 444 concert pitch, because that's almost a half a step difference between mm -hmm. the concert pitches. So what's, what's the difference that, so what is the outcome that they bring in the Hebrew letters? Well, the Hebrew letters, amazingly enough, are also centered on the 432 concert pitch. Okay, so everybody's, everybody's dancing around 432. Yeah, you know, generally in that. Yeah, generally speaking. You so know, why four thirty? Okay, so my question is, why four thirty? Why is everybody dancing around four thirty-two? What is the magic around four hundred thirty-two hertz? I think it has to do with what resonates within the Earth itself, and because our physical bodies are on the Earth, you know, we're living here, so we're trying to entrain our body with the frequencies and things that are within the Earth, because, mm -hmm. you know. If you're sick, like I was for that 19 years, it's really hard to focus on your emotional state and your spiritual state because you're so focused on the body. Mm -hmm. So it seems to me that all of this stuff in the 432 tends to help bring our body and our souls into alignment. Interestingly enough, the 444 concert pitch, all of the numbers that match up with that tend to have things to do with the new Jerusalem which is talked about in Revelation. So if you go look up the cubits and all of the numbers, the sacred numbers involving the, the New Jerusalem, those are more closely related to the 444 concert pitch, which is a higher, they're just higher. You just know, higher, I mean, okay. Let me, let me demonstrate. Let me find my phone again, whatever I did with the silly thing. And, I, you know, the easiest way, I can talk about it till I'm, you know, blue in the face. So if I play, I'm going to turn this to 432, Here's mm -hmm. this F in 432. It's kind of, now I'm going to put it in 444. Can you hear the difference? Mm -hmm. That's higher. That F is a lot sharper. So that means all of the other notes within that, within on the scale. So on this keyboard, all of those notes in the 440 have to be tuned high enough that they sound good with that specific pitch. So mm -hmm. if I go back down to the 432, I have to retune my instrument so all the notes sound good there. So every other note I play on this keyboard, that is all going to sound good with 432. Mm -hmm. I go back to 444. Whoop, now I'm back at 444, so now listen. I mean, you can tell every one of those notes is higher. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you have to, it's, you're not just adjusting one note, you're adjusting every note in the scale so that they sound harmonious together. And okay. I just thought it was really interesting that 
everything within the earth and our physical body and our emotions all go with 432, but our spirit stuff tends to go with 444. I'm like, hmm. Okay, so now we're going to open up a whole different can of worms with this because we're getting into... Um, we're getting into more of a harmonics. Okay. So this is really advanced stuff for people. So I hope everybody's, you know, with us so far, we're not losing anybody. So, um, so the Hebrew living letters Mm -hmm. in the Hebrew energy healing resonates at typically 432 Hertz. Well, in that concert pitch, there's in that concert. Yeah. In that concert pitch. Okay. The Hindu, the ancient Vedic Hindu Shiva chant, for the most part, is at 432 or roundabout. Um, Yes. In Buddhism and in Tibetan Buddhism, the common uh, Om Mani Padmi Hum chant from the Bodhisattva and Buddha Kuan Yin is also in around about 432. And you're saying that the Earth's harmonic frequency, the planet Earth that we live on and are part of, resonates at 432 so we're just tuning ourselves to mother earth basically in in essence okay i just just have to make people because everyone thinks the number 432 i'm saying in that concert pitch right all of the other notes it, it might it might not be specifically 432 it might be an octave lower it might 432 is an a it might be a g sharp or an f or an f sharp I mean, the, at the very beginning of creation, I mean, they've actually measured the wavelengths of the sound that came out of the beginning of creation. It was an F sharp, but it was not in the 432 concert pitch. It was actually probably closer to 438, mm. you know, in that concert pitch. But it, it, and, you know, they had to, what, raise it up like 40 or 50 octaves to bring it into a, a hearable thing. And. There was a guy, his name was Mark Whipple, W-H-I-P-P-L-E. They did this whole thing called the science of sound. And he got up Mm -hmm. there and he played all this stuff. um, Or the World Science Festival or something like that. It Mm -hmm. was like 2014. And he got up there and he did this whole presentation on that. And I'm like, well, that's interesting. Because all of this, for example, all of the platonic solids, those... If you take the inside angles of all of the platonic solids and you add everything up, those all spell out an F-sharp major triad mm-hmm. in the 432 concert pitch. Mm-hmm. So, so, here, so here's, the, here's my next level question for you. I know you, people are never going to ask you these questions in your lifetime, so you're going to get it from Von Gaul. So the thing is, is that the New Jerusalem uh, frequency you're saying it's 444 and people love 444 because those are people who are really into angel numbers. They love the repeat numbers. Anyways, 444. And I'm sure in other cultures, there are chants that resonate at around about 444 in that scale. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and, and the, the thing is, is that when you consider, the analogy of music notes being, you know, F, A, whatever, B, whatever, in within these these frequencies, it's almost like every single person, they, we know in, in mandalas, they have their own frequency, their own unique frequency. So if you take people as unique frequencies, as unique music notes within the symphony mm-hmm. of this frequency, 
whatever hertz it is it is at if we all play our music note or our tune or play the best version of ourselves to the best ability that we can then the symphony the symphony plays perfectly in that new resonance okay mm -hmm. so yeah i'm not i'm not miss, i'm not losing anybody here so um how are we as a people with made of energy and frequency playing at different pitches and notes within our consciousness going to raise ourselves up to a collective 444 hertz because we're all seems like tuning into 432 that's the earth so like is the earth changing to 444 and then we're going a lot we're slowly upgrading our tuning to that i mean i know this is going to be this this hasn't been fully investigated so this is kind of um, hypothesis, but what are your thoughts on that? Because this is what a lot of people think about. Like we're raising our frequency, we're ascending to these higher frequencies. Earth's moving to these higher frequencies. The Schumann resonance is moving to these higher frequencies. Well, we're having this conversation in music. Well, you know that's a question that's yet to be explored. I mean, I just—it was only like six months ago that I'm like when I was doing all this research for this class, which you're going to ask me about later, I, I was looking at numbers specifically and I'm like, because well, I'm making charts of important numbers and then looking up to see where they fit on the frequency charts. And I just noticed if you go into the book of Revelation and you look up all the measurements and all the numbers associated with the New Jerusalem, that that happens to fit more closely with 444. Now, as when we, oh, sorry, it's a cat. He's being a dork. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to come in too oh they i'm surprised you haven't seen one of them on my lap yet that's fine um so when we're talking about raising our frequency really what i think that involves is raising it so that we are resonating love we're resonating mm -hmm. joy we're resonating peace we get rid of judging others you know someone says me something mean to us that we don't have a negative trigger where we turn around we want to bite their head off mm -hmm. those so when we're talking about raising our frequency that is not necessarily raising the pitch it's raising the uh, to a stronger frequency it's like the difference between a turbo engine and just your standard engine one has more power behind mm -hmm. it love has more power behind it than anger. If mm -hmm. we're constantly resonating anger, we're gonna have sick bodies. Mm -hmm. So if we've got, I think a good barometer of checking where we are in the resonance category is to look and see what's wrong with you physically. <laughs> and I, you know, it, I had to get to that point where I started looking at myself, I'm like, what in the heck is going on? Mm -hmm. And, you know, cause I've been perfectly healthy until I got married, but. <laughs> then all of a sudden I started, yeah, he was, you know, he was a narcissist and I came into agreement. I entrained and I entangled with his lies out of those lies. I began to resonate the negative things. As I resonated those negative things, I lowered the frequencies within myself so that I became those negative things. Well, maybe he so, was trying to marry up in frequency and then you ended, up, <laughs> you ended up marrying down in frequency well no what i realized was is because of some of my own insecurities mm. so you have to be willing to look at what the things within you were in you know in my case me that allowed me to do that 
Mm-hmm. Once I did that, you know, this is another one of those when we talk about active, excuse me, activations, you know, I'm sitting here, you know, and I have an encounter with the living creator and I'm seeing myself spinning around this castle, this really dark gray castle. I'm just going, and I'm like, what is going on? And of course, he never tells me the answer. He makes me figure it out. And it's like, famo, all of a sudden this thought comes to my mind and like, oh, this is when I'm doing things in my own strength and trying to do these things out of my own power. And then, you know, I'm like, okay, I choose to change that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, instead of living out of the negativity, then you have to practice living out of the opposite thing. Just like I send my students into a practice room to practice their scales over and over. Every semester, they play their scales faster than they did the semester before. And they have to keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it. As you probably know this, your cells replicate. They renew every seven years. Mm-hmm. So it... If you think, you know, I had to go back and think about this. It took me about seven years from the beginning of when I started changing my mindsets before that sickness was completely gone. And it was just one day I went, wait a minute, I'm not having to do blah, blah, blah. And I have more energy. Mm -hmm. So as we begin changing the things within us that are weaker frequencies, that's when we step into the stronger frequencies. So that's what the raising of the frequencies is. Mm-hmm. It's not going from 432 to 444. It's changing us from the core of our being so that we are not resonating out of anger, frustration, um, hate, unforgiveness. All of those things keep us resonating at those lower frequencies. When we allow, when we allow ourselves to forgive and then truly stand in a place of forgiveness, then we are resonating at a higher frequency or stronger. Because it's when I say higher, people think it's a pitch, but it's a it's a strength. It's mm-hmm. like the difference between a tsunami wave and just a regular ocean wave. One is way stronger than another. It carries more of a power punch to it. Does, does that help explain that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you're explaining that, I'm just thinking of like uh, the the map of consciousness from Dr. David R. Hawkins because he had scales mm-hmm. of frequencies and, and and numbers for consciousness and you know the mm-hmm. lower the hatred, the the envy, mm-hmm. the greed, all that. Those are lower ones, um, mm-hmm. and then the higher ones were like love and acceptance and forgiveness and and all those are the higher ones, and so. Um, resonating in those frequencies in whatever you know turn of life hands to you um will typically always give you better options to choose from and Mm -hmm. also um will be typically a more pleasant experience as you navigate through life so um so it's 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 there's not like an end there's no end it's just a, a continuation and just different experiences so let me ask you this. Are there popular songs that have these frequencies in them that you know of that maybe we can listen to a night? Uh, are you talking about songs that are out on the market right now? Or just any kind of pop culture songs? I mean, is, is, does Elvis resonate at 444? <laughs> no, because our modern instruments have been tuned to 430, 440 since the early well, since 1939, mm. when they set the standard, actually, the United States started using 440 in the early 1900s, you know, because I have um, a clarinet that was built in very, very early. And I have a saxophone that was, you know, in from the 1920s. 
that I have here, and it's, they're all tuned to 440. So mm-hmm. L, and, unless you would tune your instrument down to that, um, you, you're, yeah. But for, you know, everyone, there's this misnomer that 440 is harmful. I'm like, excuse me, I've been playing as a classical musician in 440 mm-hmm. forever, and I am perfectly fine. But see, again, that's where your intent goes. Right, right. Well, let me ask you this. Has anybody ever tried to create instruments in the 444 range and then try to make music in that range? I mean, well, what, what does that sound like? Is, it, is there anything like that already out there? Is it not pleasant to our ears? Is it more pleasant to our ears? I mean, you know, it's honestly personal preference. You know, my album that I have is called 528 Creative DNA is in the 444 concert pitch. Now, mm-hmm. I again, I said I'm a clarinet player. And the second song on that album, I played on that. But in order for me to play 444 is not any different. You can hardly tell the difference between 444 mm-hmm. and 440 there. Literally, most people can't tell the difference. Um so all I did was I put on a shorter barrel, which is that piece that fits between the mouthpiece and the instrument. And I made sure my instrument was really warm so that I was playing sharp. But if you think about it, wind instruments play sharp all the time anyway, because you're putting warm air into the instrument. And if you've got nice humidity and it's hot outside, you're going to be hovering around 444, 445 anyway. I mean, if I put mm. a tuner up to my students after they've been playing for half an hour, they're like sharper than sharp. But then we learn to shade our fingerings or use a different fingering or change our embouchure or do something to adjust the pitch. So there's a, if you're listening to most bands, they're not going to be, you know, I'm talking about a concert band or an orchestra. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're, they're going to be shifting in and out of a 440 all the time because the longer you're playing and the warmer your instrument gets, the sharper you're going to play. Now, period, mm. they call period instruments, which is around the time of Mozart and Haydn and even some of the earlier composers, um, Brahms and all those dudes. You have the three Bs, Brahms, Brock, Brahms, Bach, Beethoven, <laughs> those guys. You know, depending on what country you lived in and what city you lived in, they, they made their instruments in a variety of concert pitches, anywhere mm. from... 417 all the way up to 460 something well what did beethoven what did beethoven um what frequency does it typically play in um i don't know beethoven specifically what about mozart he was probably closer to 430 but again a lot of it would depend because they remember all those musicians traveled from city to city to city right and you had to bring your own instruments because it's no two cities use the same tuning. It would be like, mm. I could go to, you know, to, there's two building places that are just down, Albany Falls and the Ace. Mm. I could go to Albany Falls and get a bolt. Then I could go to Ace and look for the same bolt, but their measurements are different. So it would, you know, if you go back then, they didn't have any measurements that were the same. So depending on where you lived, you could only buy your things that you needed in that city because the next city might have different measurements. That's why we have the international standards of organization, which is the ISO. So they are the ones who actually set the concert pitch to 439. So the whole, I mean, 440. So the whole world, we could travel the world and all use the same instruments and not have to carry five different instruments with us. 
Hmm. Well, it just sounds like, okay, well, let me ask you this. Is there, is the, does the, is the audience affected differently when they listen to music at a, let's say 430, they're 432 Hertz versus a 444 Hertz. Is there a difference in terms of how they receive the music? Are they much happier at one versus another? I think it depends on their intent. And, you know, mm. and I say that because if you go look at all the placebo studies, you know, the people who go into these studies and they give half of them the sugar water and the other half the drug and mm. the people that have the sugar water, some of them have just the same amount of healing because their intent is I'm going to be healed when I take this. If mm. someone is listening to 432 music and saying, I'm going to feel more peace when I listen to this, they're going to. If they listen to 444 and say, I'm going to feel more peace when I listen to this, that's where the intent comes in. Mm. I mean, but you know, I think if you just put music on to play it with no, you know, just to have it as the background, which, you know, they, they do, you know, for like I said, for years I played in 440 and it never it's never bothered me. I still play in 440 all the time and it doesn't bother me. My grand piano is tuned to 440. And I get just as much joy out of that as I do playing, turning my keyboard, tuning my keyboard to 432. But my intent when I'm playing this piano is, is I'm going to find joy out of it. Mm-hmm. My intent in playing the keyboard, whether I'm at 432, 444. My intent is, is to release the frequency of love, joy, peace, or whatever it is mm-hmm. into the music as I am creating it. Now, I do believe that someone who listens to my music will notice that because they are responding to the intent that I put into the music because matter carries memory. This true. So the music is going to carry the memory of the intent of the artist. That's true. Well, that it's, it's it's like what they say in, in art. You can go yeah. and buy a you can buy a print, a digital art or an AI created art, and there's it doesn't seem to have a lot of resonance or you know soul energy. But if you buy it from the actual artist who put their heart and soul in and and in creating it, like brushstroke per brushstroke or music note per music note, you can feel the love in it. Just it's the same thing when they say that you can you can taste the soul food from the cook. You know, it's the same exact thing. You get a little essence of the energy of the creator that is creating that piece of food or that art or that music. But if it is just an artificial thing, there you know it's a pretty picture, but you may not get the full benefit. Um, so let me ask you this. You, you offer personalized songs called Frequency Immersions. What do you do different from your albums versus personalized songs? Well, there's two versions of personalized song. You can order a personal, a personal song, which I create on a keyboard. And mm-hmm. there's a form that you fill out and then you tell me a little bit about you or whatever. I, I can't remember what's on the form. And then I, then I go to sit at my keyboard and then I play something just play from what's coming from what within me generally when i play a song that way i'll get a picture or i'll get a vision you know or a sense of something and then like if okay i i hear a waterfall so i might play waterfall sounds or i see a field of flowers and i might play something that sounds like i'm in a field of flowers and it's like sometimes i'll get a movie playing through my you know, my brain, then what I'll do is I'll send that song to the person. I'll say, well, I sensed this, or I felt this, or I heard this, da, 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 and do with that, whatever you want. 
And it's really interesting that people will respond back to me like, wow, that's interesting because they they say it really fits. But a lot of times Mm -hmm. they will give me a little bit of direction. And so what I encourage people to do is, is to listen frequently to the song and release into themselves. It's like changing the memory. You, you know, you're, you're practicing getting rid of the negative thing and overriding it with the positive thing. It's not like you're going to say something once and it's going to happen. You have to practice mm-hmm. it, bring it into your system. So your memory of your of all your internal parts begins to resonate with the new thing you're placing over it. Mm-hmm. Then the frequency immersion is, is where I actually, you choose your, the crystal bowls that resonate with you at that moment. Now, two weeks from now, it might not work. So let me ask you a question. When you go to the doctor and he gives you an antibiotic, what do you do with it? Oh, okay. I had to think about this. I don't know what the doctor. Okay. Uh, I followed the prescription. Right. Okay. Yes. So when people come to me for a frequency immersion or a personal song, they, they choose the bowls that resonate with them that day. Mm-hmm. And then I create a song. And then out of that, then I send them based on the, the musical notes that they chose, based on the musical intervals that I played. I might play, feel like I have to play a chime, keep playing it five times, mm-hmm. two, three, four, five. Or, you know, some rhythm, then I'll look up what that number means. I'll look up what the interval means. Mm-hmm. I'll look up the properties of the musical note. And then I create affirmations, which I send back to them. And it's like you have a prescription. This is what you can do. So list, while you're listening to the music, pick the affirmations off the list that feel good to you today. So, for example, um, if I just flip to one of the first ones, because I have my book of that here. One of them would be, I let go of weariness and step into rest where I'm in that place of perfect peace. So mm-hmm. let's say that's an affirmation. You envision yourself. I'm letting go. What is it? I'm letting go of weariness. I just breathe out weariness. And I breathe in rest. And I allow myself to be in that place of perfect peace. So you basically just engage with that affirmation that day. Well, the next day, because I always usually send 10 to 11, Mm. then the next day you might pick another one and you do the list until you realize, okay, I think I'm done with this, Mm -hmm. just like you would with an antibiotic. Because they say, take it twice a day, 10, I think it's usually 10 days. I don't know. I haven't been to the doctor in 20 years, so I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) We're not not being very good (laughs) patients right now. (laughs) no. But I understand, you know, because my neighbor, you know, unfortunately, she passed away in November, but I practiced on her. She would come over for sound baths and do you can do them in person or you can order mm-hmm. them online. And the first time she had a sound bath, she had this tumor, 20 pound tumor, and she looked like she was pregnant of cancer and she would feel the cancer moving around mm. and I hit a certain bowl. And she knew that that was the bowl that she needed because it was doing something to the cancer. Because crystal bowls, you know, they're made of quartz crystal and we have quartz crystal and structures in our bodies. And so my frequency, my intent was is to put whatever her body needs and whatever her entire system, spirit, soul and body needs to go into her. And I Mm -hmm. don't necessarily know what that is. I have to it has to be through intuition. So she actually got a vision of our creator's DNA just blasting the cancer away. Mm -hmm. and eventually she was healed of it 
they took the tumor out and she was fine, but they missed something. And then she ended up developing lung cancer a year later and said, I'm done. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do this. And she was dead in a month and a half. But as long Mm -hmm. as she was willing to fight and to stand in that position of seeing that DNA be blasted, then she was doing well. So that's the purpose of the Mm -hmm. affirmations that I send with the frequency immersion is, is to help you or the recipient entrain and entangle with the words that are in the affirmations to pair that with the music. Here's you got your quant, you know, spooky accent at a dis- distance, that quantum entanglement. Mm-hmm. Bring the energy that's needed to create the healing that you need in your entire system. Right. And is, do you create um, different sound baths for different things or are yeah. they all the same? Oh, no, they're not. I mean, I will do them for people individually. But Mm -hmm. for example, we did one where I had a whole group of people here and they all came in the room and I'm like, okay, what theme would you like? Mm -hmm. So we picked, everybody was really feeling stressed out. So we did a peace sound bath. And I believe that one's on my YouTube channel. It's called Peace in the Storm. Mm -hmm. Um, And we did that as a group because everyone was feeling, you know, because there was a lot of stuff going on in the world that was in the middle of all this the last yeah. two years. I didn't say the word. I just gave it a disgusting sound. Um, <laughs> it's really what it is. And so we all, they all sat. I call, I call it the purge. I call it the, the purge. purge. Yeah. The purge. Yeah, I know. Okay, fine. We'll leave it that there. So anyway, <laughs> I played this. We created this sound bath, which we wanted to, we considered that what you're saying, the purge, our storm. And then we stepped into peace and resonated with peace. So would so even though the storm might be staring us in the face, we're going, I'm sorry, I'm not going to participate with you today. You have to leave. Gone. And so you stay in that place of peace. Mm, I like it. I like it. Now, can you tell us about your frequency immersion practitioner course that you teach as well? So if somebody wanted to learn this stuff. Yeah. There's a lot of students that watch these uh, Macabre Chakras podcasts for different courses to take. So what can, where, where can they go and what can they expect to learn from your course? Okay. Well, first of all, you go to my website, healingfrequenciesmusic.com. And there's a thing up there that in the tab that says training. And that actually takes you to a separate website. It's frequencyimmersion.com. But it's just, you can get to everything from healingfrequenciesmusic.com. Mm-hmm. It's a three module course and one of the things that i i guess you would say i teach it or look at it from a worldview that i for lack of a better word christian mysticism which lines up with many of the the buddhist thoughts that you've talked about and the other things but we use you know biblical principles which still line up with all the you know i'm just looking at it from that perspective because that's what, you know, I am most familiar with, and I could see that. Um, so the module one is where you have to understand that you are a creative person, and, you, and then we start working on the things within ourselves, because like I said, if you don't have it within you to give, then you have no business giving it to anyone else. And I'm going to use a perfect example. How many psychologists have you gone to that are so messed up themselves that they can help you? Exactly. Well, I've a never gone to a psychologist, but I've heard many of my clients have gone to many and <laughs> the right. number is zero. A lot of people go into psychology because they want to figure out what's wrong with them. 
if you mm-hmm. can't fix yourself, you can't fix anybody else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I look at the whole first module as, okay, start dealing with the things in yourself because if you are in a position where someone's energy can affect you, then you're not in a good spot. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to stand in a place where someone who is 10 times negative Nancy standing right there, that is not going to affect you because you are resonating so much love, so much peace, so much joy that that's what's within you is stronger than that that's within them. Right. And so that's why the whole thing is working on yourself, understanding that you are valued. You have to have some self-worth. You are a creative. You can step into this place of creativity. So the whole first module is about learning that part. Mm. Then the second module is about looking at the technical details of this is how frequency works. This is, we look at, um, I don't even remember all the things, but it's the, the, in the information that you need to understand about frequency and how it all works. Mm-hmm. Module yeah. three is, is where you actually come here for life training, but you have to pass a um, application process to get into it. Cause I don't want you in my house. If you still got so many personal issues that you're going to melt into a puddle when you come here. <laughs> so, so it's mostly, so the first two modules are online remote yes. and they, they do it at your own pace. Right. And you're still going to learn a lot and be able to apply a lot of these techniques um, on yourself, onto other people, et cetera, et cetera. And, but then if you want to do the in-person um, training, the, the, that's the third module. Right. And so okay. you apply to get into the third module and there's 10. So you get all the information for the aspects of the musical notes you get all mm-hmm. the information for the aspects of the musical intervals and you have to understand basic music theory which you get in module two mm-hmm. this is a scale this is a major third this is a perfect fourth this is a perfect fifth this is how you tell what your intervals are this is how you create those intervals on a crystal bowl this is the fundamental frequency understanding some basic music terminology mm-hmm. um we go over how do you record a sound bath how do you Mm. turn it you know i put mine into audacity what equipment should you use to record with just the simple simple stuff all of that is done in module three just to learn but module two you and you understand the concepts but you don't get all of the details of those concepts until you get into module three after Mm. you've you've been accepted into the program you have passed and you've completed all of your homework and you have your book together. I'll just show you the book. You know, this is the book. Mm. Oh, frequency immersion. Oh, it's this, my background. Frequency oh, I see it. Immersion. Yeah. Yeah. Right this there. Your handbook. Once you have this mm. all together and you have printed everything out and you've done all the homework, then you schedule a week long session here at my house. You have to come to Idaho. It's beautiful. And I almost moved to Idaho, Dale. I could have been your neighbor. You could have been. Where in Idaho were you going to move to? Uh, over by Coeur d'Alene. Oh, <laughs> I'm an hour and a half, I'm an hour north of Coeur d'Alene. Yeah, but we we decided to stay and and fight for Washington. So <laughs> we're in Washington. Washington D.C. or Washington State? Washington State. Where in Washington State? State? Um, I'm over by the islands. Uh, San Juan Islands, Woodby Island, Camino Island, the oh. islands. Okay. All right. So, we, all right. I'm, I'm clueful. <laughs> anyway, um, 
so I'm in the process of building a retreat center. And so Ooh. when people come to train, they stay in the retreat center and, you know, they, I feed them and house them and they, we do. What do you feed them? Do you feed them a seven, seven course meal or do they make their own food? Is it farm table? I'm a foodie. So no, I, <laughs> you're um, selling just the food aspect alone. <laughs> a lot of it just depends on what um, people want to eat and what, you know, cause I used to cook for a fraternity and a sorority. Mm. So I have cooked for lots of people. <laughs> and <laughs> You're so not making I, tuna boats, are you? Tuna boats <laughs> or some kind of <laughs> no, it, I, it's good food. Yeah. I people love my scones. I make the bomb.com scones. Mm. Um, and I have I have somebody who's coming tomorrow to help me finish putting up some of the, finishing the last bits and pieces molding and putting the ceiling on and things in the retreat center. And I've already bought all the food. I bought him steaks and all, you know, and of course I'm going to make him a roast and use my grandmother's gravy, which, oh, tasty, wasty, smashy. Oh yeah. Okay. So you are, you're selling me on just like the dining and the, um, the, the in experience, not the course, the course is going to be wonderful and stuff, but I'm already like brought into that one. So, um, okay. So you're going to be fed well. When, when you go to level three or when you start taking some of the workshops at the retreat. And then um, now, when do you think you're going to show pictures of the retreat option with the workshops that are offered at the retreat? Oh, as soon as I get it done. It was, you know, <laughs> I was supposed to have it done last August because we were going to do a, re- well, we did retreats here anyway. We just used the main house. Mm-hmm. And then I, I have a camper that people stayed in and I just couldn't have as many people here, but, I have a shed that I built out of doors and painted all these jewel tone colors. That's going to be the men's bunkhouse. But right now it's stuffed with all the things that go into the retreat center and the retreats. So there's several places on the property people can stay um, just depending on where they are. But I am hoping that by June I will have the whole thing completed and I'll have pictures up. And, Mm. you know, I also know that people will come here because they want a personal sound bath. Right. I I can do them either in person or I can do them online. So when people come to stay for a sound bath, rather than sending them to Priest River, which is 10 minutes away, they can rent the the retreat center and stay there. And all they do is walk into the main house for their sound bath. Then they can leave the next day. Mm -hmm. So it's a way that you can stay on site, but still have your own space where you can stay. So it's not just for the frequency immersion training. It's for people who have come from out of town, who want to spend a couple days up here, need a place to stay for a sound bath. So fine. They can rent that and stay there. Wow. This, it, it sounds, it sounds fantastic. There's a lot of different um, options to choose from, um, you know, with your, you can come for the retreat just to have the experience of the sound bath and the, the healing and the meditation, maybe pick up a couple of different tools um, for frequency uh, entrainment. And of course, you've fed very well and housed very comfortably. So that's that. That's that alone is, is fun. But then, of course, if if you're coming as a student wanting to learn the full course, you can get the full course training as well. So I think this there's there is a booming um, interest in those types of offerings as well. So right. I, I love to hear that. I can't wait. When you get that up, send me an email and then I'll put it up onto your show episodes so that people can go there and they can get all the information about that. So let's talk about your book, uh, Kingdom Shift. 
Okay. Kingdom shift. Kingdom shift. Yeah. Show them your book. Show me your book. Kingdom shift. And then the subtitle is how to prepare for God's global reset. Thank you. So what is the clarion call in God's global reset? Well, I think we kind of hit on some of that is getting ourselves to a place where we are walking in our identity. We're not resonating fear. We're not, you know, what's going on in the world right now is rather fascinating. And you're watching people just every time they turn around, they're fearful of something. They don't understand their personal identity. I mean, if someone says something negative to them, they just melt. You know, they get triggered. They get triggered they, easily. They, so now, now, Dell, let me ask you this about that since you're bringing up that this topic of people being triggered easily by different aspects of the pandemic and then the current ev- events, whatever it is that's being played out, uh, whatever new script that's rolling out. Um, yeah, that's a good way of saying it. Right. So um, people are being triggered really easily. And they're also being, um, I don't know sure if the appropriate word is played. But anyways, they're, they're being triggered. And they're getting really emotional. And they're playing into whatever emotion is trying to be conveyed. So you're speaking from a perspective of an observer observing and going, okay, well, this is interesting. This is fascinating. And but as somebody who's being triggered and like getting really into whatever it is that they're being triggered by, uh, they're having that experience of being fearful and being um, subservient and being, you know, you know, all, all, all of what comes in with playing that role within the script. So how does one move from that to being an observer and not being so easily triggered so they can see a greater, bigger picture and maybe navigate through these nuances a little bit more peacefully without losing it. Learn not to be offended by every little thing that comes your way is the first thing. I mean, when you take offense, you become a fence. And, you know, for example, last summer on the family camping trip, I had someone come to me and they got upset at something I said to them. And I, you know, I said, and I, w- there was no harm meant at all, but this particular person just, you know, gets easily triggered by anything that could possibly be perceived as negative. Mm-hmm. And I could tell wanted to pick a fight with me instead of so started spewing a bunch of nastiness at me. And I looked at him and I said, will you forgive me? And he just kind of went like this. And he goes, yes. And then he goes, well, why would you say that? And I said, did I just ask if you would forgive me? And you said, yes. He goes, I did. I said, then why do we need to discuss it any further? Mm -hmm. So I didn't engage because I knew Mm because I could feel the energy coming off that the whole point was just to argue with me and to present a particular point of view. And one of the things that I am learning in this process is I don't always have to stick out my point of view. Mm -hmm. And, and if something so easily negatively triggers me, then that means the problem is probably more with me and not the other person. So anytime something comes at me and I have a trigger, the first thing I do is look at myself and say, what within me responded negatively to that? Do Mm -hmm. I need to look at something within myself? so that I'm no longer negatively triggered. See, because mm. situations around us are not necessarily going to change. It's how we respond 
to those negative things. And as you remember, we were talking earlier about a certain convoy of vehicles oh, yeah. uh-huh. traveling uh-huh. around the country. And when I get on, you know, I'm, I will follow some of the stuff that's going in these chats mm-hmm. and some of the nastiness coming out of there. You know, I just think, do you realize when you yeah. are spewing all this nastiness in the chat, I can physically feel that energy in the chat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I know that it affects the, the, whoever the live streamer is at the time. And then I will literally grab my drum and with the opposite, I say, I just release peace into every member of this chat. I release more love. I drop a love bomb. I drop a truth bomb, you know, and every time one of those truckers honks, I draw, you know, you know, my whole thing is let's spread some unity throughout the country. Let's spread some of this. And I just start release, 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 release. I'm not affected by the negativity that's coming from the people that are saying weird stuff, whether it's coming from these live streamers or whether it's coming from any of the media outlets, because if you listen to what they say in the media, 98, 99.99% of it tends to have a negative bent. Mm-hmm. 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 It always feels like it's, there's something that's being complained about. Right, right. And then if you go and you watch some of these things where it does the exact opposite, you know, it's, all, it's like these feel-good stories. The difference between a feel-good story and a story that doesn't Everybody knows the difference between the two. Mm-hmm. But when you've got so much more of this negativity is going to at mm-hmm. you, then you learn to override that by bringing in the other thing and covering it with something that's a stronger frequency. And so I just see myself yeah. as one of those people who's bringing the stronger frequency and releasing it. And we can literally change atmospheres by doing that. But we can't right. do it if we're not doing it within ourselves. Right. Well, I, I, I can, I can relate to, to that in that. Um, so half of my family got this and the other half didn't. And some of the people that I know um, really, really, really believed that being around myself and my half of family that decided not to partake in the, in that at, in any way, shape or form, um, that something was going to happen to them, something was going to happen to us. They just thought the worst was going to happen. And two years later, we're still around. We all got it. We all recovered. We're still around. We're still hugging each other. We're still visiting everybody who wants to visit with us. We're still visiting people who accepted us to visit them. I still saw half my family and saw my mom, all that kind of stuff. So it didn't make any difference for us. But the only difference is for those parts of the of family who were really really into that narrative of if you don't follow this uh this campaign that you're going to and you're, you're going to be sick and you're going to spread sickness everybody and it's just going to be you're walking you know vile or whatever the the, the the thing was and that wasn't the case and so um i always held the um, perspective of i'm always going to be here for you with love in whatever you're going through. Okay. And whatever you're going through, I will be there for you. Whatever it is you're going through. If you want me there, if you don't want me there, I will respect that as well, but I will still be here for you. Right. So, and that's the energy. Mm -hmm. Done. Well, and 
I joked with my students. I said, well, I gave up, I gave up being sick for Lent like six years ago. Everyone <laughs> jokes, well, how's that working for you? I said, quite well, thank you very much. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it, it, it's an experience, it's an experience. And so let, let, let's break this really quick uh, for everybody because I, I want people to, to read your books because there's a lot of wisdom in your books um, mm -hmm. without giving it too far, far away. What is the global reset according to God in your book? Well, okay, this is the whole point of going from Pisces to air uh, to um, what which one are we entering? Aquarius? Aquarius, thank you. I had a brain fart, sorry. Okay. Um, <laughs> so it's if you in the book I show history of how it happened at the time of Christ. You know, everything that went on during that time, massive massive civil unrest, all these other things. You know, you see things within the earth, things within the people, things within the governments, all of this stuff that happened then is happening again. So we know that there's some form of a reset going on. Now there's a negative version of it, but there's also a positive version of it. So rather than focusing on the negative aspect of what some people say that this reset is going to do, I'm like, okay, what, how can we look at this from this angle? You know, because if we get outside of our boxes that say, okay, if the entire financial system collapses, oh, horrors, it's going to blow up, blah, 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 blah. okay, let's say something does happen financially and things go kaboom, what are the positives of that? You see, we tend to look at all of this stuff over here, but there's some times where you might literally need to just kick something in the shorts and send it flying out the door, even though we're so used to that. Mm -hmm. We've got, it's learning to see it from a different perspective because, you know, I grew up in understanding that every negative thing that happens to you in life, if you look at it from a, what can I learn from this perspective, mm -hmm. you're going to come out on the other end. Now, trust okay. me, most people who, you know, were almost, you know, killed by their husband, that takes them a long time to get over the trauma from something like that. There are people who've been right. abused situations who never get over the trauma but right. I, you know i look so it's very similar you learn to say okay what can i learn from this where what was my piece in the midst of it mm -hmm. now at first i wouldn't look at it but i had to realize i came into agreement with the lies so in the reset what have we come into agreement with that's a lie mm -hmm. what can we look at that has hope in it what is the hope for the age of Aquarius, rather than what is the negativity of moving into the age of Aquarius. That really is the main focus. You know, of course, being mm -hmm. an educator, let's take a walk down history lane. Let's look and see what it is. Then we have to change our paradigm, shift within us the things that keep us in fear so that we're not seeing things as a negative Nancy, but we're seeing things as a positive Polly, <laughs> for lack of a better word to say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, do you have a last message you want to, you know, leave everybody with? Like a last one. Last message would be probably just learn to function and resonate love. Mm. Because once we learn to resonate with that, a perfect love truly does cast out all fear. Yes, I love that. And it also heals your body of any impurities. See, there you go. And, you know, I'm saying I, I am not completely pure, but 
this is the healthiest I've been in 40 years. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to, you know, I'm actually retiring at the end of this year and I'm healthier now than I have been in a very long time. Betsy, that's good to know. Well, Dell, thank you for offering your services and unique research approach to help like-minded people reach the highest energy healing frequency here on Spaceship Earth. So for more information about Dell Hungerford's music energy healing courses and books, please visit her website, which is healingfrequenciesmusic.com. And thank you kindly to our listeners for listening to another enlightening conversation. Until next time, blessings. Thank you for having me. <laughs> You're welcome. It was fun. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Merkaba Chakras, where we talk Buddhism in the fifth dimension. For more information about today's guest, please go to the show description. For more information about Vaughn's metaphysical work, please go to MerkabaChakras.com. The views expressed today are for entertainment purposes and do not necessarily reflect the views of the host or replace any medical or legal advice. Don't forget to subscribe for more interviews about the fifth dimension. Until we meet again, blessings.